最佳听众互动奖得奖的是 First Story 等等，还有一位是 First Story 和 Discord 共同得奖。First Story 最新推出的 Discord 整合功能是为听众管理新标杆，将拥有会员资格的听众自动加入 Discord 群组。这不仅减少创作者的负担，也为听众带来丰富的互动体验，获得全台 Podcaster 一致肯定。体验这个惊人的功能，立刻点击叙述栏链接，让你与听众互动更上层楼。DPP presidential candidate Lai Qingde has two new support groups. The two groups, one for global and the other for European operations, were founded in Lithuania. They are the 96th and 97th support groups to be established. With the goal of paving Lai's way to victory in 2024, they wave a flag passed along by Chen Jingde, the deputy head of Lai Qingde's campaign team. A global support group backing Lai's VP campaign has launched in Vilnius, the capital of Lithuania. At the same venue, supporters established a Europe-wide coalition for Lai. Hundreds of Taiwanese came from all around the world to attend the launch. We had wanted to set up the European support group in Paris, Manchester, and Berlin, but we ended up basing both the worldwide and Europe-wide support groups here. The worldwide group comprises people from every country, including countries in North America and Asia, which also have their own Lie support groups. Support groups for Lie are mushrooming around the world. The worldwide and European groups are the 96th and 97th to launch. Lie is the first Taiwanese presidential candidate to establish support groups in Europe. There's been a lot of excitement overseas for lighting the support groups. A group was created in South Korea, which is something that hadn't happened before. The European support group is also a first. The worldwide group and the European group are the 96th and 97th ones to be established. They will be the last two branches to receive the flag. Lithuania and Taiwan have similar histories and similar visions for the future in terms of values and decisions, and we work towards similar goals. That's why we chose to establish the groups here. The two groups are the last pieces of the puzzle for Lai's campaign network, which now includes support groups on five continents to help Lai to victory on election day. The Industrial Technology Research Institute and Lithuania have established the ultra-fast Laser Technology Research and Innovation Center. The center, located on Itri's Liaojia campus, brings together Lithuania's advanced laser technology and Taiwan's industry experience. Together, the two sides aim to develop next-generation laser technology. World-leading femtosecond laser technology, provided by the Lithuanian Laser Association, and 14 Lithuanian manufacturers are in Taiwan at the new ultra-fast laser technology research and innovation center. I believe that collaborating with Lithuania on laser sources can complement Taiwan well. Meanwhile, Taiwan can contribute its experience in semiconductor processing or in some biomedical industries, creating a synergistic alliance with Lithuania. We start from Taiwan, but it's it's it is a big, big organization, so we see that it's broad, broad, broader vision of, of what we can produce and how we can expand our collaborations. 
For many years, the Ministry of Economic Affairs has invested in turning Itri's Liujiao campus into an important laser R&D hub. More recently, it's pushed to forge international connections. The campus now plays host to Lithuania's highly stable, high-efficiency femtosecond laser sources and Itri's laser system integration technology. Together, the two sides hope to develop next-generation femtosecond laser processing equipment. They are mostly made up of small and medium-sized enterprises, and in Taiwan, we're also mostly SMEs. We are very complementary. The laser processing technology is more advanced. We can learn from them and develop our own to offer even more sophisticated services to Taiwanese businesses. Femtosecond lasers provide shorter pulses, faster speeds, and higher precision than conventional lasers. As such, they are very appropriate for applications in precision medicine and ultra-precision machining. In the future, international partnerships could yield laser surgery equipment, optoelectronic semiconductors, medical materials, and communications technologies. Business opportunities are expected to reach 3 billion NT. Taiwan is on track to meet its social housing target, officials say. Speaking at the National Housing and Urban Regeneration Center, President Tsai Ing-wen said that her housing justice policy met many challenges in its early stages. But, but she said that Taiwan is now making good progress on its projects. According to the Ministry of the Interior, Taiwan has more than 85,000 social housing units today and will reach 120,000 by next year. If including rentals managed by private agencies, Taiwan will have 200,000 affordable housing units by 2024, hitting the government's eight-year goal. As for rent subsidies, the government's goal has been to support 500,000 households. And so far, more than 442,000 households have applied. In addition, more than 410,000 households have been approved for preferential mortgages aimed at mid- to low-income households. Construction continues apace on a major new silicon fab in Japan co-owned by TSMC and Sony. The new fab, known as JASM, is in the small town of Kikuyu in the Kumamoto prefecture. TSMC has invested more than 270 billion NT in the project, hoping it will be the next major global center of semiconductor manufacturing. While some office at the Asai went into use last month, there is still much work to be done on the factories. Meanwhile, local officials have their own priorities, sorting out the local road network to ease horrendous congestion caused by the project. FTV reporter Tang Shijing visited Kumamoto Prefecture to find out more. Trucks raise a cloud of dust as the new fab gradually takes shape. The 23-hectare fab site and its land extends as far as the eye can see. This is the JASM Semiconductor Fab, jointly owned by TSMC and Sony. You can see how work is proceeding apace right now. They're trying to finish construction in September so they can start production next April and ship out the first products by the end of 2024. Just 10 minutes drive away is the Sony Kumamoto Technology Center. The two mega-corporations have acquired 145 plots of land with the aim of building a new fab in Kumamoto Prefecture, one as big as five Tokyo domes. The result would be a veritable kingdom of semiconductors. But it won't be an easy task to sell 12, 16, 22, and 28 nanometer chips to the car market, or to achieve monthly production of 55,000 chips. All around JSM, small roads cut a sharp contrast to the giant facility. 
The roads are clogged up with aggregate trucks. For this small farming town of just 43,000 residents, solving the traffic problem is an urgent priority. This narrow road, Highway Number 30, is the only way to get to the JASM Fab. The route should take about 40 minutes, but at rush hour, when small vans stream out of local farms and trucks ferry to and fro the construction sites, the same route can take 90 minutes or more. Now the Japanese government has confirmed a budget of around 6.6 billion NT to rebuild these roads. The national government has provided about 114 billion yen as a subsidy, of which about 30 billion yen will be used to reorganize roads. When Kikuyo receives this subsidy, there should be a marked acceleration of the road rebuilding project. Japanese officials have invested a 24.7 billion NT budget in the scheme. Forecasts suggest that JASM will create an economic boom worth 7 trillion yen, around 1.5 trillion NT. President Tsai Ing-wen held a reception for young hackers on Monday, congratulating them for placing third at an international convention. Taiwan's team called TWN48 won third place last month at DEF CON 31 in Las Vegas. The competitors here today have carried on the torch for Taiwan by shining bright in a world-class tournament. I want to thank all the competitors for devoting themselves to showcasing Taiwan's cybersecurity prowess. Since I took office in 2016, I have adhered to the policy that cybersecurity is national security and have worked to enhance our information security resilience. In 2021, I took it a step further, rolling out an upgraded version of the Cybersecurity is National Security Policy. Tai thanked the 54 members of TWN48. The team is made up of young and student young professionals led by professors from top universities. They placed third in Las Vegas, competing against more than 1,800 teams around the world. At Monday's reception, Tsai stressed that Taiwan must continue to develop cybersecurity talent and to participate in global cybersecurity efforts. The Taiwan Tech Arena, or TTA, is marking its fifth anniversary with a two-day international forum showcasing its work. TTA was established by the National Science and Technology Council to nurture Taiwan's startup ecosystem. So far, it has supported more than 700 startups and hosted nine leading investment accelerators from Taiwan and abroad. The Taiwan Tech Arena celebrated its fifth anniversary with an international forum attended by Premier Chen Jianren and National Science and Technology Council Chairman Wu Zhengzhong, among others. We have nurtured more than 700 startups, almost half of which are international teams. Our focus is on AI, software, and precision health. Premier Chen hailed the achievements of the TTA. Since its founding in 2018, the startup base has attracted nine leading investment accelerators from Taiwan and abroad. It's nurtured more than 700 startups, helping them raise more than 24 billion NT. Domestic and overseas startups that have graduated from the TTA or that are still in the TTA have been working extremely hard over the past five years. Fostering startups is an important policy goal for Taiwan, but aligning with global standards is no easy task. The National Science and Technology Council is laying down the groundwork for a golden decade. 
We are launching a 10-year CHIPS initiative in Taiwan with the goal of leveraging semiconductors to drive innovation in all industries and shorten the time from product conception to launch. Secondly, we want to lower the entry threshold to attract ambitious young people to Taiwan. Central government agencies are working together to attract talent with top-down and bottom-up approaches. Meanwhile, the National Science and Technology Council is proactively nurturing talent, promoting cooperation between industry and academia, and taking part in international events. The ultimate goal is to help teams expand their global markets and business opportunities. Taiwan is sending 22 metric tons of fresh pork to the Philippines in a breakthrough for the hog industry. Six Taiwanese pork companies were inspected and approved for import by Philippine authorities. The first pork exports were, exports were sealed for shipping on Monday. The 40-foot container contains 22 tons of high-quality pork that's destined for the Philippines' high-end market. This marks our first shipment to the Philippines since the major outbreak in the hog industry and its eradication. Philippine quarantine officers have come here for quality inspections, and they were very pleased. The Philippines is very close to Taiwan. We used sea freight, which takes just five days to reach the Philippines. Taiwan's hog industry is resuming exports for the first time since the 1997 outbreak of foot and mouth disease. This first shipment contains pork from a food company based in Pingdong County. Recent heavy rains have greatly reduced the supply of cabbage, leading to soaring prices. One head of cabbage can even be sold in Taiwan for several hundred new Taiwan dollars. To help consumers, a Taizong supermarket chain is cooperating with the Agriculture and Food Agency to induce imported cabbage, which costs only 75 NT a head. The daily supply available to shoppers will be limited until September 18th. The idea is that consumers will now be able to buy affordable cabbage. Recent typhoons have taken a huge toll on Taiwan's produce. The price of cabbage, a staple on Taiwanese dinner tables, has reached a high owing to damage to crops in mountainous regions in central Taiwan. One head of cabbage can go for as high as 400 to 500 NT, a prohibitive price that most shoppers are unwilling to pay. The Agriculture and Food Agency has begun importing vegetables to stabilise prices, and imported cabbage from Vietnam has been put on the shelves of one supermarket chain. Supermarkets are cooperating with the Agriculture and Food Agency to carry out special projects and promotions for affordable cabbage. For 10 days, from September 9th to 18th, everyone will be able to buy affordable imported cabbage at all of our stores practically every day. Imported cabbage only costs 75 NT per head and is available in limited quantities every day. People are saying that although this imported cabbage is cheap, it does not taste as good as domestically grown cabbage, which costs several times more. Consumers had different things to say about whether they would buy Taiwanese cabbage at such a high price. You need to cook the stems for a long time, but then the leaves wilt. The stems are very tough, so we will try doing this again. 
Personally, I would first look at the price, and after that, consider the quality. Imported cabbage has relatively thick fiber because of the latitude it is grown at. Of course, it is suitable to be used in fillings for boiled dumplings, potstickers, or steamed buns. As for stir-frying, we can chop cabbage into thin strips. Taiwanese people generally prefer locally grown cabbage, but owing to recent heavy rains, the supply of domestic cabbage has greatly reduced and the price has soared. Even though the Agriculture and Food Agency is importing cabbage to stabilise prices, people who want to eat affordable Taiwanese cabbage will have to wait a while longer. A group of carpenters in Taoyuan is making gold from recycling. The carpentry workshop in the city turns discarded wooden furniture into delightful new items. It's a project from Taoyuan Environmental Maintenance Team. Some of the members of the team had never done carpentry before, but now they're experts. And each item of furniture they produce is completely unique, bearing the history of its former use and helping to reduce waste. Flip this stool over and you see on the bottom the original characters from an old sign. The item is completely unique. Before starting work, the first step is finding an appropriate piece of wood. There's a wealth of pieces here from inscribed boards to door panels. But where do they come from? All this wood comes from recycled furniture that people don't want. The wood that's more usable we collect, or maybe it needs fixing up and then we put it together. There's a lot of abandoned furniture right now. If we just throw it away, it's a real waste, because the wood is great quality. So we thought we could make use of it. The Taoyuan Environmental Maintenance Team started its furniture carpentry workshop in 2008. Later, it was renamed the Taoyuan Repairing and Cherishing Stop. The team selects usable recycled wood to create stools, chairs and other pieces of furniture. Their annual auction is a big event, with locals lining up to get a bargain. Every day, He Minjia searches through the piles of discarded furniture for useful material. A former security business manager turned kindergarten manager, he has spent the last 12 years in the maintenance team. Basically, when our teacher was alive, we would watch from the sidelines while he worked. If he didn't understand what he was doing, we asked. When he retired, we followed the secrets of success that our teacher had told us and gradually we found our own way with it. Carpenters like her had no experience in woodworking when they joined, but after learning from the first proper carpenter in the team, they picked up a new skill. Now they can turn unwanted bric-a-brac into beautiful items full of new life. Fresh bean sprouts have poked out their tiny yellow heads. Pull one up gently to see the delicate white stalk. Haoshou Village in Beigang Township has historically been known for its great bean sprout crop and is sometimes referred to as Bean Town. But in recent years, sales avenues have dried up. Third generation farmer Hong Zhengxin left his job at an international company five years ago to return to Beigang, take on the family business, and try to turn it around. We use organic growing methods. In terms of growing, we're facing completely new challenges, and we spent quite a long time on it. 
Agriculture faces a labour shortage. Hung has invested in developing smart production to rapidly increase production output. We've brought smart production in and also we've changed production times. Hong's producing the first traceable bean sprouts in Taiwan. He's been honoured with a National Farming Champion Award, but he's not interested in hogging the laurels. He wants the whole production stream to share the credit. We use Taiwanese seeds. We can create a space to sell the products that have been grown by local farmers. Hong is also committed to agricultural education. He wants local and traditional crops to put down deeper roots. When you eat the food that comes from your hometown, you become part of a living tradition.